With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hour two of Purple Daily here on Score North on 1500scorenorth.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. It's easy. It's all at Score North. I'm Rami Makloff. Judd Zolgad had to pop out, popping in, and you'll hear this guy uh, this afternoon from two to four is Matthew Collar. Matthew, how are you this afternoon, sir? I haven't decided yet. You haven't decided how you are today? No, I okay. haven't. Okay. Because what's this dependent on? When the games ended yesterday, I was sort of down just because they were compelling right but also frustrating in many ways the calls in both games i mean even the guy lining up offside you're like how many times do you think that that happens a game and they just they don't call don't it don't call. it's like holding and then all of a sudden there's a pick and they decide to call it and then you know patrick mahomes doesn't get a chance to touch the football at the end of the game. He's the MVP of the league, and he doesn't get a shot. And then today, the big conversation is about Nikel Roby Coleman, which I love that you accidentally called him Reggie Roby Coleman because that I was did, a punter. I? That's right, Reggie Roby. Reggie Roby yeah, was a punter. That's where that like, came from. I know exactly how old you are when you accidentally <laughs> drop Reggie Roby, right. the former Dolphin and Bucks punter. Um, but Nikel Roby Coleman, you know, runs into a guy and it should be a penalty. And it's like, how do I decide how I'm supposed to feel about these games when they were super compelling and interesting? And I see the TV ratings are through the roof as they usually are, but even more so today, probably because of how crazy the ending was to that second game. So it's like, in one way, I think, wow, we really saw something that we're going to remember. And in another way, I think, yeah, but the results, I think, were wrong maybe for both games. For both games, you feel like? Well, I because of I a can flawed, see why you'd say that about the early game, the NFC Championship. A flawed overtime system is, is what makes me think of that. Okay. Uh, I mean, we changed the rule because Brett Favre didn't touch the football. Mm-hmm. So you can't just get a few feet over the 50-yard line, kick a... 57 yard field goal like the Rams did, and then it's just over or something like that. You know, you, you can't do that anymore. Um, that both teams have to have a chance. And so, with the overtime of the first game, well, both teams did have their chance. We got to see Breeze get the ball. He throws an interception. That stuff happens. But for the second one, for the league that we have now, where it's so easy to score for teams, yep. and the defense has been on the field for that long, I felt like a coin flip won the game as much as the Patriots did. And so I ended up feeling like there was no justice in that either. And that's what we were just talking about with Judd just before you popped in, Matthew, was what, because I think most people felt cheated or or somehow unsatisfied with the way that the AFC championship game ended. I was in a sports bar watching it and 
these overtime rules are are so confusing to the point that hardcore football fans and guys who do what we do for a living, obviously we know what's going on, what's at stake, what's on the line, how overtime works. But for the casual fan, the fringe fan, who only tunes in for the big games, may only tune in for the playoffs, who I think is who you really have to market to. And the NFL does a great job of doing that, of, of drawing those people in and making them feel included. Most of the people in that bar last night had no idea that that was the end of the game until you saw Tom Brady take his helmet off and jump into one of his offensive linemen's arms. I think most people thought, okay, they scored. Now Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs are going to get a chance to come down and score again. I proposed just an extra quarter, and you can make it a 10-minute quarter if you want. I understand the safety concerns that go into playing a full extra quarter of football. You can make it a 10-minute quarter if you want, and you can make this rule just for the postseason if you want. But I think that you need to make it an extra quarter of football, at least for the playoffs, so we don't have that unsatisfied feeling, that feeling like as fans, as consumers of entertainment, we were cheated by the way that that thing ended last night. And that's exactly my thought, is that when I tweeted that out yesterday, I got a bunch of responses that immediately said, "Uh, excuse me, the Chiefs had the option of playing defense. Yeah, no, I agree with that. But also... Uh, how about the entertainment value? We do stuff in sports all the time that maybe doesn't make perfect sense or maybe isn't perfectly fair, although I see this as being more fair for both teams to touch the ball. But we do stuff all the time in sports just to get more entertainment out of it. And the NFL is the greatest example of that. I mean, this is a league that changed all of its penalties around so you could pass more. Right. Joe Montana got hurt a bunch of times in his career, so it's like, let's make sure that the Joe Montanas of the future don't get hurt as much or whatever, Brady. They fall into Brady's legs once, and now all of a sudden, if right. you t- touch a guy's shoelace, that's a penalty, <laughs> yeah. right? And I don't have a problem with that because we want to make sure that quarterbacks aren't being taken out at the legs and missing full seasons because that ruins it for everybody. And when the MVP of the league, a 5,000-yard, 50-touchdown quarterback, has to sit over there on the bench for p- the playoff game, the AFC Championship, and not get a chance, that really takes away from the entertainment value for me. By the way, the guy who says maybe you should play defense, he's right on the other side of the glass. It's it's Manny Hill who, yeah. said, who said that. When get the hell this. off the field, Kansas City defense. <laughs> but why doesn't New England have to play defense? Here's, okay, here's my question, though. If that's, you, the angle, and, if that's the angle you're going to take, but, then shouldn't New England's defense my, have to show something, too? But here's my question, because I agree that Patrick Mahomes should have gotten a chance. But if the Chiefs would have won that coin toss and Patrick Mahomes, who we all love, who everybody in this room loves, Mm -hmm. goes down and they score a touchdown and win the game, are we as upset? I mean, again. Is this more about, because is this, are we wanting to change the overtime rules because we're ultimately upset with the result of the game? This is not the first time a Hall of Fame quarterback has had to sit there on the bench and watch somebody else win it without a chance. I mean, the same thing happened to Ben Roethlisberger on that Tim Tebow throw. The same thing happened with the Seattle Seahawks and Aaron Rodgers. And in all those cases, these are Hall of Fame quarterbacks who have to just sit and watch, and then the game is over. I like your idea of just having an extra quarter. During the regular season, I wouldn't want that, because then if you go to three overtimes, you're talking about mileage on the body of players. Right. And I don't really care if... Cincinnati and Cleveland or whoever ends up going to extra overtime. But when it's Hall of Fame quarterback, an MVP quarterback, a game that went like this back and forth all the way to the end for one guy to have to sit and watch is to me, A, not fair because the coin flip, I read that eight of the last nine teams to win that coin flip have won the game. 
Like, okay, so the coin flip is winning games. Plus, there's so much of an advantage for offense these days, just in football in general, that you're basically giving it to that other team. That at very least, they're going to score, so you've got to have another shot for the other team. That's that's the way I look at it. I don't think it's about Brady winning or losing. I've always felt this way, and they changed the rule halfway because of Favre. Why not go all the way now because of this? At the very least, if you're not going to play a full extra quarter, at the very least, borrow from baseball and give both teams their swings. So in other words, if the Patriots come down and score a touchdown, Mahomes and the Chiefs get the ball, but they have to score a touchdown to keep the game going. If you don't want to play a full extra quarter, then just just make it so that a field, you, you, Mahomes wouldn't be able to get the ball Kick a f- drive them down for a field goal, and then the game continues to go on for a full quarter, whatever the case might be. Give them their swings. Give them a chance to at least match what the other team's offense just did. So uh, should it be like an untimed quarter then? So should overtime just be, forget about playing another quarter, just let every just let both teams get a possession? I'd be okay. I'd be okay with both of those proposals. How about this? If the team scores, and I don't care how convoluted this gets, if the first team scores a <laughs> touchdown... Then the other team has to go down and score a touchdown and go for two and go for two. So then you'd be talking about a potential two point conversion in overtime. And that's that's your penalty for allowing a touchdown. So the whole, oh, you got to play defense. Well, right. You want to play defense. You want to get the ball back and score right away. But if you do give up a touchdown, your penalty is you can no longer tie the game. We have to decide a winner on the next drive, but that ensures that both of these teams, both of these great quarterbacks get to touch the ball. Both teams have to play offense and defense at least once, and you do get penalized for allowing that touchdown if your defense doesn't hold up. I like that I'd be cool for that. a playoff format. I think, And talk about drama at the end. It'd be a two-point conversion, Mahomes with the ball in his hands. I would have liked that a lot more because I've ended up feeling deflated, and I definitely mean that as a reference to the Patriots. <laughs> I, that, that is how I felt after the game was over. I felt like, oh, all right, well, it's over. We just put three ideas out there, and any one of those three would have left me feeling more satisfied and more entertained at the end of the AFC Championship game last night than what I do today. Yeah, that's how that's how I feel, and... We always do this in sports where we just change the rules around to make them better in any way we possibly can in all sports. Remember, you used to, when you and I were watching uh, baseball in the early 90s, mm-hmm. how many catchers ended up on the injured list because they got trucked by somebody coming down third base? Well, they're star catchers. We don't want them to get hurt. Right. So let's make it so you can't run them over. Buster Posey isn't as entertaining with a broken leg. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And and people can be mad about it all they want, but I want Buster Posey to play. I I don't want you know these great hitting catchers to have to move to first base because they suffered so many concussions during their career because people run them over. I so we change it. How about this? I want Michael Jordan to be able to go to the rack and dunk it. So they put that circle there. So you can't just like hammer Michael Jordan or you can't just take flops all the time as you go hard to the rim, right? We change these rules for entertainment purposes all the time. So why in this case wouldn't we want to do that? Did you feel cheated? Would you change the overtime rules? You can get in 651-646-8255 or tweet us at Score North. Let's get in Jeff in Texas. You're on Purple Daily. What's up, Jeff? Okay, so this is twofold. One of First of all, you get rid of the coin flip. The visiting team gets to choose if they want the ball or not. After that, it goes to, like, basketball halftime. So if you if you play defense, the offense gets the ball, and the, at, at, uh, the home team gets the ball at halftime. But then if it goes to overtime, 
oh, wait, you're on defense again. But here's the kicker. Let's go schoolyard. First team to in, you can do this the whole season or just in the playoffs, first team to score 11 points. <laughs> See, now that might be, now I like, like where your head is at for being uh, creative for this. It might be a little too far toward the creative, but I agree with your first point about the coin flip. I, I th- when coin flips are determining the game, I'm not a big fan of that. Right, and that and that's what has happened. When eight of the last nine teams to win the coin flip end up winning it, it's pretty clear that that coin flip is basically deciding who's winning. And I don't doubt at all if Mahomes had won the coin flip, then he wins. So then, how can I come away feeling that that's fair? Now, I think that like amazingly hilarious and creative ideas like that are great. Like first team to eleven. I mean, that, I mean that's fun. Uh, but in terms of what we can realistically think about the change that they could realistically make, it's not very far away. It's it's a pretty easy change. Yeah, it's a pretty it's it's a small. Well, to us, it's a small tweak. We're not the ones going out there and getting our brains bashed in. Although college, or risking life you know, and limb, but college did go full crazy fun, right? And I wouldn't even mind that. Either. I don't. I don't want the college rules. That's that's one. That's one rule change that I am adamantly against. I hate college overtime. I can't think, stand it. I think it's too much for the NFL. But is it better than this? Yeah, I think it is. I think it's better than just watching Tom Brady march for one drive and Mahomes watch him with the rest of us. I think it's. I think it'd be better than that. I wouldn't want that. I would want it exactly the way we laid it out, where you have to go for two if you give up that touchdown, and and that's it. I'd be cool with that. We haven't even talked about what happened in the Saints game with Matthew Collar yet. We'll get into that in just one sec. Let's get in Andy and St. Paul, though. You're on Purple Daily. What's up, Andy? Hey, what's up, guys? You. What's going on? Hey, just a few questions about the theories. Um, the the two point conversion theory. Yeah. What what's to stop the first team that scores a touchdown from just going for two? It's a good question. Maybe we and may, also, maybe maybe you just wouldn't be able to. Maybe you have to kick the extra point there. Okay. And also with the extra quarter, feels like a good idea. But then what if it's tied after that? Then you're right back where you started, right? Then we just keep then we just keep going, I guess. And then you would maybe go to sudden death after that. Yeah. I mean, at some point, I, I get what you're saying. Thanks for the call. At at some point, you're risk you're risking lives out there. <laughs> you know what I mean? If you play a full quarter and then it's still tied, okay. Maybe at that point, don't don't consider my entertainment value and what's necessarily fair, and just get these guys off the field as quick as possible by any means necessary. But would it really happen? I mean, in today's NFL with the offenses, the defenses that would be that tired. I mean, would it really happen that we could go more than a quarter but with that's, nobody even kicking a field goal? But that's why I say just forget about making it, well, we'll play a, an extra 10-minute quarter. No, just make it untimed. Right. And just make sure if, if both teams get a possession and then whatever happens after that So if that Tom Brady happens. and the Patriots come down and score seven, then Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs have to come down and score eight. Yeah. It would be like the NHL shootout, basically, after like each team gets three, and then after that, it's kind of like who scores. You know what I mean? You, they go back and forth, and who scores. You could do something like that. I, I think that the most obvious answer is probably the right one, though, is just make sure that the other team, if you score a touchdown, the other team has a chance to score a touchdown, and then it's whoever wins after that, um, just to make sure that both teams get their shot. What left you feeling more cheated yesterday? The way that the AFC Championship game ended and, and Patrick Mahomes not getting his hands on the football in overtime or the way the NFC Championship game ended with that awful, awful blown pass interference call that even allowed this thing to go into overtime? Much, much more the Saints getting screwed out of winning. I, I mean, to me, that's, 
it, it enters the territory where I start to wonder, did you not call it on purpose so this would have an exciting ending? Are you a like, conspiracy guy? This is our first time working together. Are you a, um, a guy who buys into Because I, I do not. I hate them. I dismiss them immediately whenever I hear them. I think that conspiracies that make way too much sense <laughs> are the ones that I sort of... Now, I don't know if I fully give credence to, but I but they come to my mind. So when you look at, I went back and looked at the NFC championships from like the last 10 years. Every single one is either a blowout or a really insanely close game. And it's like, hmm, that's a quite the coincidence that if it was a blowout, then it just is a blowout. But otherwise, it's really, really, really close. And there's nothing in between for like 10 years. Mm-hmm. And if you watch it with a discerning eye and think, huh, these penalties really seem to keep leaving the door open for teams. I mean, there's a pass interference that goes the Chiefs' way that gives them a chance. And in the Ravens and Chargers game, there's a very bizarre holding on the Chargers on a play that would have been a first down that then gives the Ravens one last chance to drive down and win. And then it's the same thing with this. If they flag it there, the game is over. There's no exciting ending. It's just, well, Saints win, on on we go. If they don't flag it, then the Rams get their one last shot to drive down. And you wonder if even if it's not an edict that is from the NFL for them to make sure the endings are exciting, that it's just a little bit of human nature for a referee to think, oh, well, that would have ended the game. I, I, I don't want to end the game on a flag because then people will be looking at me wondering right. why I ended the game on a flag. I, I do wonder if it's human nature. I, I think this in the NBA playoffs all the time, fouls that would have been called in the regular season, don't get called in the playoffs for LeBron. Right. Because it's like, well, you know, we don't want to just have LeBron at the line all the time for this playoff game. So it's, it's maybe less of a conspiracy theory of rather, I can see why it would happen. Why a referee at that point would choke on throwing that flag because they know that that's going to be a game-ending penalty. And you want them to get the call right. And, and ov- they obviously didn't. The NFL itself admitted to Sean Payton afterwards that they didn't get that call right. But... I feel like we're doing the same thing with with that call and, and this game that a lot of people did in that Packers Cowboys game a few years ago. Remember the catch, the Des Bryant controversial yes, non catch catch, and and it probably was a catch. And, but a lot of Cowboys fans assume that had that been called a catch, they go on to win that football game. And maybe they do, but you forget the fact that Aaron Rodgers was going to get his hands back on the football with a little bit of time remaining in that game, and probably because he's Aaron Rodgers, drives down and wins that football game. A lot of people are assuming if that pass interference is called yesterday, Saints score, game over, Saints win, they're headed to the Super Bowl. There was still time for for Jason, Jared Goff, Sean McVay, and that, and that Rams offense to... To, to design a, a drive that got them down to the other uh, other end of the field and wins the football game. Yeah, I, it's not an open and shut case that if they get the call right, Saints are going to the Super Bowl, right? It's still possible, and I understand where people go back to the, hey, if they call the face mask on Jared Goff, then you know the, the Rams probably don't have to kick a field goal at that right. point. They score a touchdown instead. Possibly that there's a lot of calls throughout a game that you know, make a difference, and probably a lot of no-called say people lining up off sides during that game or uh, holding penalties throughout that game that did not get called. And then there was one holding on Teron Armstead that I thought, I don't think that that was a holding. Seemed like he got him a little bit on the outside shoulder pad, but that's something that happens all the time on these run plays. So yes, you could go through and try to play out the butterfly effect with all these uh, calls. But I think what we come back to is we should be trying to get them as right as humanly possible 
And to me, that includes a coach being able to challenge interference. Thank you. And the reason for that, in my mind, the biggest reason for that is interference calls specifically alter games more than anything else because you could get 40 yards on one. Or, I mean, in this case, you you just knock the guy in the helmet so he doesn't catch it and you get away with it and then you just, you know, win because of it. Right. Well, I mean, to me, that's just that, that it has way too much of an impact on the actual game. So the coach should be able to say, hey, why don't you take another look at that? And interference should be an easy enough one for a referee to go over. If they can have people on TV, the referees in the booth deciding, oh, yeah, I would have called that or I wouldn't have called that. Well, then the referees could take another look at it and say, you know what? I thought it was a bang, bang play. And it wasn't. He was there way early. So it should be a penalty. This is part of my education and in, in, in my uh, introduction to Minneapolis and, and the Twin Cities and Minnesota sports. I didn't realize until that play happened yesterday the bad blood that still exists. And it makes sense because of the shared history of the two teams and some painful losses for each and some big games between the Saints and the Vikings. Saints fans were rejoicing in in what happened. Or excuse me, Vikings fans were rejoicing in what happened to the Saints yesterday. Uh, Taylor Swift would have been proud of (laughs) the amount of bad blood that the uh, Vikings fans had yesterday. Um you know, I, I get it. I get it. Uh, there's a little part of me that wants to go back to the Simpsons. Like, they're already dead. Like, last year, <laughs> last year, you killed them with the Minneapolis Miracle. They're dead. You guys are all even now. Right, yeah. Um, I, and I, I just look at it as anytime there's something in one of these sports, a rule or a lack of a rule or a need for something else, that would make the game more fair, that we can get the truest outcomes possible, then that's the way we should do it. Now, Even if it is a team that you hate. Yes, of course. I mean, well, I don't hate the any victim team. victim of it. So right. it's a little bit different. I mean, I understand where Vikings fans are coming from to yeah. say that, hey, whatever, go back and watch 09. All right, I get that. But if it, if it was you, you'd hate it. So let's talk about then what the rule should be so your team does not get screwed on a similar play. But to the point that you had the Twitter takeover yesterday for at Score North, got um, some angry responses. For that. <laughs> you got some angry responses just for saying it was a bad call, which it yes. obviously was a bad call. I don't care what if you had a dog in that fight, what your rooting interest was. I mean, the guy who committed the penalty even said pretty much after the yes. game, "I committed a penalty, and they just didn't call it." People were upset with you for saying. It was a bad call. That's how much bad blood Vikings fans have for the Saints organization. And, and I don't know what to tell them. I mean, should should I tell them to let it go? Like, you don't have to. You don't have to. Uh, because there are, I was in Buffalo before, there are Buffalo Bills fans who still hate the Miami Dolphins. Neither one of those teams has been relevant since 1994. Right. But yet, you know, they still hate each other because Brian Cox flipped off the home fans in Buffalo years and years and years ago, so they still hate the Dolphins. I mean, that's fine. I mean, it's sports. It's all right. It's just if you can't separate, all right, so they did get screwed. I don't care if they deserve it, and we don't want that to keep happening. That That's where I would say, all right, well, you need to take a deep breath because this can't keep happening in the NFL where these interference or non-interference calls are having such a huge impact on the game. And Bill Belichick talked about this in 2014. I pulled it for something I wrote for our website today that Belichick was talking about. There are all these rules that we have that we can't ask them to take another look at. You can only ask them to take another look at someone's foot out of bounds. Like we need to have, or whether the ball hit the ground, 
we need to have we need to do better there. We need to have a, a better system where coaches can challenge anything. Um, and then you know, there's I guess if you wanted to come back with, hey, how'd that challenge work out with Julian Edelman's thumbs? Did you think it touched his thumbs? I really couldn't tell. I really, which to me, if if I if I can't tell, and I don't know if they couldn't tell upon watching the review. That means that the call stays stands as was called on the field, doesn't it? I thought it? they keep it as it as called. I didn't think they would re- reverse it, and I'm with you. Like I didn't, I didn't know if he touched it or not, but they initially ruled that he touched it, right? And I thought that they would just keep it that way, just because there's no way to really tell. I didn't see anything conclusive enough for them to turn that over. If they if they said he touched it on the field, I didn't see anything on the replay to say he he didn't, or enough to say that he didn't. Did you guys feel like it was the um, yellow dress, blue dress thing? Did you ever see that? <laughs> <laughs> like, where it was like. This or Yan- Yanny and Laurel, or whatever that whole, yes, that yeah, whole bit yeah, was. Yeah, that's right. Like, I saw a thumb. I saw a thumb move. And then you're like, oh, wait, this other angle, I don't see a thumb. Like, what is going on? What is reality here? Uh, I that, that would be another reason to be really upset about that one if you're the Kansas City Chiefs. Though it was sort of corrected by nature with the interception, so yeah. it wasn't it wasn't a huge deal. But you could still look at it as sort of proof that things were being pushed New England's way. I'm not saying that that is actually what was going on, but um, that I thought the same thing as you guys that when there isn't conclusive evidence, I don't think that in court you could have said for sure that it didn't touch his thumb. Right. So why was it overturned? Uh, I mean that right there too is. Another reason why replay is problematic. So I, if people were to come back by saying, you know, when I'm asking for more replay, well, these guys aren't going to overturn their judgment calls. But on something like that, they would have to. And we're, we're on gonna, something that was that egregious. We're going to talk about all this. I'm sorry, go well, ahead. No, man. I was just going to say, by the way, if you're Julian Edelman, just leave the damn ball alone. Yeah, what there's, are you doing? There's no reason for him to be that close to it in just the first place. Just get away from it. Absolutely. There's no reason to feel bad. Did you guys think a thumb moved? I thought a thumb moved. I thought I, I have thought, no so, idea. I, but I really, I, like I said, I'm I'm not going to sit here and pretend I saw something definitive or conclusive to the naked eye. For me, it didn't. I couldn't tell. I'm just gonna. I'll be 100 percent honest with you. I watched that replay, and I don't know. This fall on CBS. <laughs> what if I told you? Sixty people watch the same replay and try to make the right call. <laughs> the masks referee. We'll talk about all this with uh, Kevin Seifert of ESPN.com. He'll join us around one thirty on the other side of the break. Though, uh, looking at those conference championship games yesterday, the league is headed in a different direction than the Vikings. It's Purple Daily on Score North on fifteen hundred ScoreNorth.com live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. You do like game time all the time. Scorenorth.com. It's Purple Daily on Score North on 1500. Scorenorth.com. Follow us on all your various social media outlets Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. It's easy. They're all at Score North. I'm Robbie Makloff along with Matthew Collar. Matthew will uh, carry things from 2 until 4 o'clock, taking us right up to Mackie and Judd with Rami. I'll be back at that time. But all Pat, oh, excuse me, all Vikings and all NFL talk for these two hours from noon until 2. And joining us to carry that right along, you read his work at ESPN.com. ESPN National NFL writer Kevin Seifert. Kevin, thanks for a few minutes. How are you this afternoon? 
I'm good. How are you, sir? We're doing well. Is it a good thing or a bad thing for the NFL that today, after two really competitive and entertaining games, much of what we're talking about is a blown call in the NFC Championship game, whether or not overtime rules should be changed because of the way that the AFC Championship game ended. The NFL, it might not seem on the surface like talk like this is good for the league, but they seem to thrive on controversy like this, don't they? Well, it keeps them in the headlines for sure. You know, there's not going to be another game for two weeks, so it needs to be some sort of discussion. And, you know, it's an interesting question because for most of the time that I've covered the NFL, I've thought that, you know, all publicity is good publicity and that, you know, whether people are talking about, you know, some crazy call or some weird rule or some, uh, uh, you know, random cheating scandal or whatever uh, comes up in the, in the course of, the, uh, of a season or a year, that that was good for the NFL because it kept it in the front pages. Uh, lately, I've wondered whether, you know, too much of that creates, uh, you know, it's just bad for business and creates a, um, you know, an overall perception of a league that might be succeeding economically, but not um, in any other way that, that people would perceive. And so I, I, I tend to think that these types of discussions, especially when it's, when it's a, a discussion like we're having today about a blatant officiating call that leads to people coming up with conspiracy theories and coming up with uh, alternate explanations for why officials missed the call. I mean, that goes to the very credible, the very credibility and the integrity of the game, and that is not good. That to have a discussion about whether the NFL is rigged or whether officials are favoring one team or another that is in no way good, and that's something that I think the NFL has to hope uh, doesn't come up. Kevin, I, I just couldn't help it. I couldn't help feeling after the no call like, oh, they want the Rams to have a last shot at right. this to make more exciting. And I never want to be the person who's saying it's rigged, it's rigged, because that's absurd. But uh, I do think there may be some human nature there to not want to end it on the flag that I threw as the referee. And that's why we need to allow these teams to review whether interference was there because interference specifically has such a huge impact, whether it's something like that or whether it's throwing it from the 50-yard line and you get it at the one-yard line because there was interference in the end zone. There's such game-changing plays. Yeah, I mean, pass interference by far carries the most yardage uh, per penalty in the NFL. I I mean, it's... It's not just 15 yards. In fact, usually the average is over 15 yards, and you can see penalties as high as 60. Or I think there was a couple of years ago there was a 66-yard penalty against the Lions when they were playing the Packers for pass interference. So huge game-changing calls. And you know you're right. I mean you see that that call made in, in New Orleans, and you see two officials being able to you're know, watching it with their own eyes, and you say, could could it be that they could possibly just have missed it or choked or? been so willing to uh, let them play as they had for uh, the course of the game that they weren't able to then pull the trigger, that there has to be some other explanation. And so it's, you don't have to be like a hardcore conspiracy theorist or a hardcore uh, Saints fan to wonder, is there any other reason other than just a guy choking to not make that call? And that's, you know, I, you know, to be clear, I don't think that there is one. I think that the guys, the those guys choked, they were so... Um, they were so in the mode of letting them play and not allowing the uh, penalties to decide the game that when an obvious, unavoidable one came up, they just weren't able to throw the flag. It's not an excuse or even an explanation, but I think that's what happened. Um, but it was so blatant and so egregious that 
you know, you don't have to be, uh, like I said, a, a hardcore conspiracist to think that maybe something else is going on. And that's why I think the NFL would do a, itself a service to get out in front of this and, and speak publicly about it. But at least to this point, they've allowed Sean Payton to be the only person really who's talking about it. The NFL would also do themselves a service to make calls like that reviewable in the future. The The line that we've always heard when that was brought up in the past was, well, it's a judgment call and we don't want to make judgment calls reviewable. I've never even understood that answer, Kevin, but do you think that they, they soften on that a little bit and maybe consider making a few more things, including pass interference, reviewable in, in the near future? Yeah, I think, I mean, the big thing, the big reason that there's these limits on, on replay, whether it's a, a judgment call or any penalty, I mean, you can't challenge any penalty and you can't review any penalty. The only things you can you can review are things like, uh, you know, these objective things like is the guy out of bounds or inbounds? Is he over the line? Is he not over the line? Those are the only things. And, and, why, and the reason the NFL originally did that is they didn't want to create a system where plays get reofficiated in the booth. You know, generally speaking, they want... The, the penalty, uh, the penalty flags to be decided by human beings on the field in real time, knowing that they're not always going to be perfect. But let's not start down the slippery slope of um, of reofficiating and readjudicating all these calls in the booth when the, the judgment of the guy in the booth might just be is just as subjective as the guy on the field. And so that's the explanation for why they haven't done it. But the the overarching point of replay is not to reofficiate. Uh, the game, it's to save the league from itself. It's to create a safety net for when an obvious and egregious, you know, the clear and obvious is what's in the rule book. When a clear and obvious mistake is made, to give the league and the uh, capacity to, to, to fix that and not to, uh, and not to just have to live with, with a, a call that 50 drunks in a bar could see was, <laughs> was, was wrong. And that's the standard that Mike Holmgren always used to use. 50 people in a bar, if they could, they can see the flag, then, then that, or, that a flag should have been thrown, then then that should be what replay helps them assume uh, to do, and so that's and that's really the argument for why it wouldn't be as groundbreaking and earth shattering uh, as the league might think to add penalties to replay. You'd still have just two per challenges per team, a uh, third if uh, if they um, if they got the first two right. So it's not like the game would be stopped every two seconds, but it would and and. You wouldn't be smart as a coach to challenge a, you know, a, a possible pass interference because that's not going to get overturned. It would just give you a chance to make sure that if somebody chokes or there's some weird thing that happens, that a play like yesterday gets called right and the uh, the outcome is is base is a is a, is a credible outcome and the team that should have won won. And I, I saw you going back and forth with people on Twitter yesterday about the times of games being increased. Like, wait a minute, football fans are the ones that sit there for a six-hour Bama and Auburn game. I think that they would probably be okay with another two minutes uh, that's probably tacked on because, like you said, they're not going to use it all the time. They don't have unlimited challenges. Um, Kevin, before you came on, we solved overtime. So I'm going to tell you our solution. Our solution is first team wins the coin flip. They get the ball. They go score a touchdown. They have to kick the extra point. The other team goes down. If they score a touchdown, they have to go for two. Problem solved. 
that would be for all playoff games or just in I mean all games or, I, or just in the playoffs? I would say just in the playoffs. I, I don't yeah. need Cincinnati and the Tennessee Titans to have to deal with this. Like, let's just go regular rules. But I think it should change when Aaron Rodgers one year sits and watches, when Brett Favre back in the day sat and watched. They changed the rule a little bit, but I think they should go all the way to make sure both great quarterbacks touch the ball. Yeah, I mean, that that's part of it to me that maybe that, you know, I'm okay. I, I'm not as offended by the current the current um, the current rules because it's, it, it values defense, you know. And and if you know you, if you're if you have a team that's a well-rounded team and your defense is good, then go stop Tom Brady. Um, if your pass rushers are gassed, then use your timeouts to give them extra rest. If if uh, if you, they still can't get home, blitz them. You know, like there's like I I don't think that it's as if the Chiefs had no chance. And so like to me, it should be about you know about the fairness of you know, did did both teams have a fair opportunity, and not so much were were the fans entertained by by having Pat Mahomes on the sidelines? You know, that would be fair. I, you know, I also saw, um, you know, like basically you have to give uh, Nate Silver was pushing an idea that's similar to yours that you know if you even if they score another touchdown, even even if a team scores a first possession touchdown, you still the other team still gets one chance at a possession, and that would be fairly simple as well. You know, if they change that, I wouldn't be offended. But I also, I guess, I'm not as outraged by it um, as as some. You know, I, I think it. You know, it's it. There's there, the sudden death. The the idea of a sudden death uh, to me adds a level of entertainment that that's worth the handful of times when when a quarterback, another team's exciting quarterback, doesn't get on the field. My outrage is mostly that the coin flip is deciding these things. I saw someone tweet out that yeah. eight of nine I teams did, that yeah. won. The, I mean, okay, so you were thanks, Kevin. Um, but, <laughs> that, but that's yeah, that, that's that's what drives me crazy about it. As much as I want to see Patrick Mahomes get one shot, I also think, wait a minute, so a coin won the game for them, and you know that if Tom Brady gets the ball in that situation with how everything is swung to offenses in the league now that there's a really great chance that the team that's in the NFC championship has a great quarterback or a great offense and they're going to win because of heads or tails and play for then play for the win in regulation you know that didn't the, um, I might get my games mixed up but didn't the Chiefs kick a field goal at the end uh, of the game yesterday yeah no, um, they could yeah, have yeah you know I mean that and that and that is part of why the sudden death element of overtime um, that's a benefit to me is that it puts as much of a premium as trying to avoid overtime as you can. If, if you're if you go into overtime assured that you're going to get a possession no matter what, I think that that probably changes some end game strategy. You, know, you you don't play for overtime. Play for the win in regulation. Whatever the NFL can do from a rule standpoint to manipulate that, as opposed to people playing for an extra period. Uh, is okay with me. That's Kevin Seifert. Find his work at ESPN.com. Follow him on Twitter at Seifert ESPN. And our guest for the last few minutes here on Purple Daily. Appreciate it, Kevin. We'll talk again soon. Okay, guys. Thank you. Hit a quick break. And then on the other side, just how all this uh, pertains to the Minnesota Vikings, what we saw yesterday in your conference championship games. He's Matthew Collar. I'm Rami Makloff. It's Purple Daily on Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com. We're back right after this in the TCL Broadcast Studios. Minnesota sports junkie, get your fix. Scorenorth.com. It's 
Purple Daily on Score North on 1500scorenorth.com. I'm Rami Makloff along with Matthew Collar. He has his own show here on Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com. And it's coming up next. It's coming up at 2 o'clock. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. It's easy. It's all My at space, Score North. I'm part of the Mackie and Judd with Rami show. I'll be back for that coming up at 4 o'clock. But uh, I don't, I'm, I'm sure you do this being the, the football fanatic football. that you are. Matthew Collar, but I always, when whenever it gets to this point of the season, I watch these games and, and, and I watch it as it pertains to, as it relates to either the teams that I cover or the teams that I root for. And watching that game yesterday and watching Tom Brady throw the ball 46 times, watching Patrick Mahomes sling it around 31 times, which is actually on the light side for him in your average week. Jared Goff with 40 attempts. Drew Brees with 40 attempts. And I'm watching that, and in my head, I hear Mike Zimmer (laughs) calling for more run plays in his offense. And and that's essentially why, among other reasons, and I don't know that anybody was too upset about it, why John DiFilippo was dismissed as the Vikings' offensive coordinator this year and something that Zimmer really wants to emphasize that they need to run the football more, run the football more, run the football more. And if it wasn't already evident before yesterday's championship games, that is not the direction that the NFL is headed in. It's interesting because yesterday when the Patriots decided to come out and run the ball against the Chiefs defense, who is obviously petrified of Tom Brady, as everyone should be, and also not very good against the run. And it seemed like one of their defensive tackles was banged up, too. Uh, So, of course, they come out and they put the fullback in and they they run it a few times. They do some reverses and things like that. I I enjoyed seeing certain people like on Twitter. Ah, yeah, running the ball. That's what really wins. (laughs) See their eight minute drive. And then now, and what's great is that they went something like 13 for 17 on third downs. And those are all Tom Brady throwing or almost all Tom Brady throwing. It's top five offenses in passing. It's top five offenses in scoring. Yes, it is still the passing that is driving the success and if you're running successfully in the case of the Rams or the Patriots it's because they're afraid of your passing game with the Rams there's a great stat about how they almost never run the ball with eight in the box and Tony Romo gave you an idea of why the running game for the Patriots is still because of Tom Brady because Romo's saying hey look he's checking to a run See, because Brady goes up to the line of scrimmage and goes, ah, they can't stop a run over there. I'm going to change it to a run. So it's still Brady that is making you succeed with the run game. And how that pertains to the Vikings, one thing I think is good is that Zimmer, with the hire of Gary Kubiak, is going to be hands off the offense. He's going to let Gary Kubiak tell him whether things are going right or wrong and what they need to do. And I think they will run more successfully with Gary Kubiak, but it's only to set up all the play actions. And that is another thing you see. These two teams, they love their play actions, and they make everything work off of those. So you need enough run game to at least do play action, and then you could probably succeed. But uh, Kirk Cousins is not as good as the number 1 overall pick, Jared Goff. Uh, Kevin Stefanski probably won't be as good as Sean McVay. Uh, No one is as good as Tom Brady. Clearly no one is as good as Bill Belichick. And it leaves you in a position, if you're the Vikings, of feeling like, we are stuck in the middle, aren't we? Wasn't that the plan last year for Mike Zimmer to sort of be hands-off with the offense? It was more, in 2017, it was more so hands-off because Pat Shermer had been around for a long time. But I think that the other reason that he was hands-off was because it was succeeding in 2017. And when it wasn't, he went looking around for explanations. And I would say there was a lot of stuff that 
did not match up to how they should use players under John DeFlippo. But there's also a quarterback who could have made throws that he didn't in a lot of different occasions. And I bet John DeFlippo, and he got another job, so he's not suffering. But I'm sure for those last couple of weeks, he went back through the tape and said, that one he could have made and I'd still have a job. That one he could have made. Hey, why did he throw it backwards to Latavius Murray? Was that my fault? <laughs> um, hey, why did he double pump, triple pump, quadruple pump when there was somebody wide open? Why was he late on that slant route? Why was it? And and that's the thing about somebody like Kirk Cousins is it's re, it's an interesting dynamic because Cousins got McVay hired in Los Angeles, right? And then he got another guy fired by being the same Kirk Cousins. But when he looked at as the underdog fourth-round pick, it was like, wow, look at what he got out of this underdog fourth-round pick. And then with Filippo, it was, well, you couldn't get anything out of this $84 million quarterback? Same guy. Yeah, a lot of it had to do with the perception of Kirk Cousins entering those situations where in Washington he was overachieving because of who he was when he arrived there. But here in Minnesota, he was underachieving because of who he was perceived to be when when he got here. I still I I don't know that it's and I know I know you probably won't like this. I don't know that it's fair to judge Kirk Cousins or any quarterback until they have an offensive line who can actually protect them. For more than three seconds. Well, that's an interesting way to look at it because these two teams do have pretty good offensive lines. Right. Uh, I don't know if these are the best two offensive lines in the league, but they're they're good and they're helpful. And the Patriots' offensive line was fantastic. And it's two different conversations, though. Of the Vikings could not have won the Super Bowl with this offensive line, but could they have gotten in the playoffs? Yes, they could have. Their quarterback did not show up in a number of big games in fourth quarters that they could have and should have won. That's the difference of the conversation of, yeah, are you going to win the Super Bowl with a flawed quarterback and maybe the 27th best offensive line? Probably not. Um, Although with a great defense, maybe you'd still have a chance. But probably not. You need a little bit stronger offensive line to give them a chance. But when you allow six points to the Seahawks in the fourth quarter, or it's 10-10 to in the fourth quarter against the Patriots, you have a chance to win those games, and you need a throw from your quarterback. And the biggest takeaway, the difference between Kirk Cousins and Tom Brady and Drew Brees and Patrick Mahomes and Jared Goff is third down. That Kirk Cousins consistently through his career has been a mediocre third-down quarterback because just standing in the pocket or dropping straight back and throwing is not really his thing as much as these guys. Brady yesterday... Throw after throw after throw, special plays on third down. That's what would hold you back from thinking that even if the Vikings do fix their offensive line, they could be on the same level as any of these teams. And there was a couple times yesterday in Kansas City where Tom Brady had somebody right in his grill, and he still made the play happen. Or he was patient. Uh, The throw to James White was unbelievable. Mm -hmm. The one Where it's like, the guy's not even open. I'm going to throw it to the only space. It was Rodgers-like, where it's I'm going to throw it to the only space where only my guy can get it, and it's on his back shoulder. And yeah, he's going to have to make a good catch, but the defender who's right on him has no chance. We don't see Kirk Cousins making those special throws, and that's what makes it hard to believe that even with a better offensive line, it, when you get to those playoff games and you need those big third downs, that he's going to be able to do it. That's why I think if you're Vikings fans, you come away from this weekend feeling stuck, especially since you see one team has a rookie quarterback contract, the other team has a legend, and you're in the middle. You don't have one of those things. You don't have a legend, and you don't have a rookie quarterback contract to spend around him.
The other thing that I bet Vikings fans were were watching yesterday and, and wishing they had was clutch kickers. And I feel that pain, too, as the resident Bears fan in the house and the way our season ended just two weeks ago. But every game, well, there was only two games, but every time you turned around yesterday when a kicker needed to make a kick, <laughs> there it was going right yeah. through the uprights, including Greg Zerline for 57 yards in overtime on a kick that looked like it, it would have been good from 77 that yards, to be quite honest with you. Where do these kickers come from? Space? I mean, that, that was unbelievable. <laughs> An egg dropped down from I, space. And I thought that hatched the, in a remote cornfield somewhere. And I Greg Zerline crawled Lions, out. I, I thought the Lions kicker was the only guy, and maybe the Ravens, Justin Tucker. I thought those were the only guys who were just like complete freaks. And then here comes this Rams freak who could kick it from anywhere. Why don't they just get to the forty and just like, all right, let's kick a field goal. Uh, this is going to be a seventy-seven yarder. That's fine. Let's <laughs> like get points every time. You call, know call fair catch on a punt, and then just line. It up for a field goal. You know what's funny? I yesterday I had more confidence in Zerline making the fifty-seven yarder to win it for the Rams in overtime yeah. than I did in, in Butker making the kick to tie it. I thought Butker was gonna miss that kick to tie it right before yeah. right before overtime. It looked like I a thought, right turn all of a sudden. It had like a moment of right turn. Yeah. It was like <gasps> and then it went and, right back in. And even before like he kicked it, I thought he's probably gonna miss this. Just because it's you know, it's the the, the environment and the the history of the Chiefs just sort of faltering in games like this. It just felt like, and that was what, a 30, 32 yard field goal or something like that? Yeah. And, but I had a lot more confidence in, in Zerline drilling his from damn near 60, and he probably would have made it from 80 than I did Butker making a, a what would have been an easier kick. I had Zerline on, on my fantasy team this year, so I kind of knew about his freakish abilities. Hmm. I wasn't as taken aback by it as, as you were, Matthew, but, but to the point that, I had more faith in him, going back to what Matty just said, I had more faith in Zerline on the 57-yarder than I had in Cody Parkey on the 43-yarder <laughs> when my Bears lined up to win that game. Now, wasn't it with Parkey that he uh, didn't want to like fight traffic to go practice at the stadium or something? Yeah, because uh, like the last last three, four kickers before Cody Parkey would actually practice during the week at yeah. Soldier Field. Because the turf is different, the wind is different. It's completely different conditions that you're kicking in than you would at their at their practice facility. And uh, he didn't want to deal with the traffic to t- that it took to get to Soldier Field. Having taken an Uber from the airport to that stadium, I'm going to take his side. And I mean, that is a pain. Here's the other thing. Here's here's the other crazy part about Cody Parkey. I don't know if you guys saw this, and I thought it was I thought it was fake when I first saw it, but. After the after he double doinked that one and had and that was the fifth time I believe this season that he hit a goalpost or a crossbar, yeah. somebody dug up an old tweet of his from his high school days indicating that he used to kick at a pole oh. to practice his accuracy. Wow. That oh he gosh. he wouldn't leave the wow. practice field until he would hit the pole. I do wonder like you're if you're doing um, it wrong, dude. Are we gonna see Tommy Lee Lewis go on the Today Show to talk about how he was wrong? <laughs> I was a thousand only percent, one thousand percent with all the players who hated Cody Parkey for going on the Today Show. We can only hope. That's Matthew Collar. He's going to be right back with uh, his own show from two until four. Score North Live. I'll be back at four o'clock along with Mackie and Judd. For Mackie and Judd with Rami, this has been Purple Daily. If you missed any of it, check it out at scorenorth.com.